one night she walked into the office. It was 1130 at night and I was writing ad copy, which I don't do anymore. I don't have the time and that's okay. It's not the greatest use of my time. And we both started crying. The two of us just sat there. I mean, 20, 24 years of marriage and we're both sobbing because it was so overwhelming. It was so difficult. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? This sucks. Because building a business and running a business and running a successful business isn't easy. We're back with another episode of the Cold Star Project, Lean and Mean, with the sign in the background. We've got Ken Moskowitz with Ad Zombies here today. And man, the guy is a copywriter, but also he's got a lot to do with mindset and processes. I've had a chat with him before at the uh, request of a mutual friend of ours told me to come talk to you, Ken. And it was a great conversation that I thought about a month ago. Hey, man, I got to get Ken back on here. So I uh, appreciate you being here. Let's talk a little bit about mindset um, hmm. and, and organizations. Let's, let's get in with this. Do most organizations over time actually learn anything, Ken? No, they don't. <laughs> What, what, what they do is they go about the, the day like a bunch of ants, right? They, they, have, they have work and they work, 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 but, but are they working with a purpose and are they learning anything in the process of the work? And so I'm going to say the answer is no. Most businesses don't do that. And part of it is I, I think that people are not set up properly inside organizations. Mm -hmm. I, I know that from our own organization, we when we started, we are in a very different place today than we were two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. The only reason is, is that we actually learn as we go and course correct. I think off, all too, too often, businesses have a, a structure, an idea, a thought about how they're gonna do something and, they, and that's the, the way they march. And there's very little room for course correction. Mm. And so, because that's the way we said it's gonna be, that's the way it's gonna be where I'm more of the belief of, hey, version one is better than a version none. And if we screw it up, we learn from our mistake and we course correct as we go and we get better and better and more lean and eventually we're just right down the right path. Fantastic. I know that was kind of a long way to go for Good. that answer, but that's my answer. We want in-depth answers here on the Cold Star Project, so that's awesome. Okay, so that led to two questions there. The first one being, what does it mean to have a person set up correctly then? The well, I think... Sure. I, I think part of it is putting the right people in the right chairs. Hmm. You know, if you put a passenger who's never driven a car in the driver's seat and they've never seen anyone drive a car, there's a chance that they're going to crash, a really good chance, because they don't know how to drive the car. And a lot of times, businesses tend to make that mistake. They, they think based on a resume that they're putting the right person in the right seat, but they're really not they're looking at a list of qualifications on a piece of paper, right? Putting the right people in the right seat is critical to the success of a business. We have, as we've grown, figured out how to put the right people in the right seats. Because you're never gonna get someone who's not a natural leader to lead. You're never gonna get someone who's not a natural creative to be creative, right? You know, I learned something from Gary Vaynerchuk that I think is critical, and that is you're never going to be great at the things you suck at. You might get marginally better with practice, mm -hmm. but you're never going to be great at that. 
focus on your strengths. And if you're good at one thing, let that be the one thing you're amazing at, right? So, so that's what we try to do inside our organization is, is really let people who are great at what they do be great at that and then surround each other with people who handle the things we suck at. There's a reason I'm not doing the accounting and CPA work of our company, right? It may have my name on it. I may be the CEO of the company. I may be the founder, but God forbid you give me the books. Holy shit, are we in trouble? <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. And I've been the guy in the wrong seat on the right bus. And, uh, and the owner of the company told me so, you know, my last role in 2012 didn't last much longer than that uh, because I didn't know how to respond actually at the time right. I've, I've learned something since then. <laughs> so <laughs> amazing. Uh, so what you're saying actually echoes something that Peter Drucker wrote in the late sixties in his book, the effective executive in 1968. Uh, he was saying the same thing and I don't think people have learned that lesson. So it's good that you know. <laughs> and, and, and that's why I said, you know, you, the first question you asked, do they learn? No, they don't. Hmm. And, and, History does repeat itself, and the reason history repeats itself, whether it's in the world or in businesses, is because people don't learn. They're so focused on the result or the bottom line or whatever it is that they're trying to achieve that they don't open their eyes and go, wait a second, are we doing this right? Right? Is there a better way? Can we be more effective, more efficient? Is this person right? the right person to lead us into battle. You know, it's, it's, mm. it, think about military. Yep. Would the military have the guy who's running the mess tent be the guy in the front of the line in the battle? Probably not. Well, that's a big area of study of mine. Uh, and the more I got into how do large organizations move, make decisions in that, the more you end up in the military camp, right? Finding out, okay, how do they do it? Because they've got the experience doing it. And I right. pulled stuff from World War One that's still relevant today. It's not, oh, those armies were 100 years ago. Yeah, but the way they organized stuff and the way they carried things out is still very relevant. And, and Jason, a, a big mistake that companies, I believe, this is my opinion, and, and I could be totally wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm totally okay with being wrong. In my opinion, as companies grow, they become like the Titanic when it comes to movement. They're very slow, they're lumbering. There's layers of, of bureaucracy and red tape. You know, I, I'm still essentially a startup at two and a half years old, right? Mm -hmm. However, as we grow, we don't add layers of bureaucracy inside my company. We make decisions and we make them fast. And because as you grow, if you start adding those layers, you become that behemoth that just mm -hmm. lumbering giant and suddenly someone's gonna just sweep your legs out from underneath you. And so I believe that the bureaucracy is part of the problem in, in the corporate America structure or the corporate structure period worldwide. And I think that more businesses should run like a startup because when you're in startup mode, you tend to run lean, you tend to run efficient, and you tend to make decisions fast. Right. Yeah. It's a wonderful signal for how you're doing. It's <laughs> the speed of decision making there. And I can remember going back all the way to 1997, my first job out of college, uh, selling power generation equipment, large, large power plants here. And uh, we, were, we were in a position bidding against a much larger company. And my boss came to see me and said, Jason, good. We can respond to this today. 
this change order, right? In the in the scope, the the big company, the competitor, he said it's going to take him a week. Yep. To be able to make that. And I, and I was like, wow, but it all comes down to one guy at his desk. What's going on here? So I got a question for you then, Ken. And, and uh, it's probably one that our listeners or viewers are asking, which is, Jason, Ken, that's all great and wonderful that you guys have this opinion, but aren't there companies out there today making lots of money that are big like, and that, that they aren't learning anything? So who cares? Absolutely. But, you know, if let's say we're talking to, we're not talking about the big top 10, top 100, fortune 100 companies, right? Those are, if you're one of the people watching this and you run one of those companies, good for you. You didn't build the damn thing. You just worked there. Thanks for watching though. Right. You have a job mm. and, and I'm speaking to mostly people who have their own businesses, who are entrepreneurs, or in my case, like I'm an artist with entrepreneurial tendencies. Mm. And so you, you want to build your own version of that. You don't have to have a hundred billion dollar empire, right? But you might be happy with a million dollar empire or a million five or five million, right? That might be your happiness. But yes, there are a lot of companies out there that are really successful and really big and really fat and that's cool. But I'm not talking to them. Hmm. I'm talking to you. Okay. So do you want to be the best? Do you want to have operational excellence? Do you want to have a customer service experience that takes your customer's breath away? And right. how awesome it was. Do you want to be the best at getting people from A to B every time? Every single right? time. Taking them up Mount Everest and back down like Tenzing Norway without getting anybody killed. Right. Very and and that this time of year. Right. And there are so many small businesses out there that have the ability to earn, to grow, to expand. I mean, just I, I look at what what we have done and where this company has gone from, you know, in just two and a half years to where we're going to go. I, I know where we started. I know where we are and I know where we're going. And to be in control of that is fun. But at the same time, you have to create an exceptional customer experience, right? You have to create a journey that your clients rave about. Hmm. There's, there, it's, it's not an accident that we have hundreds of five-star reviews by our clients, right? When, when you look at our online chats, and I'll, and I'll just use this as a perfect example, we have some smart asses in our company. We're very respectful of our clients. We love our clients, but we have fun with them. We play with them. We have relationships with them. They talk about in their emails to us the great client experience, right? That, that's not accidental. And any business can create that. It's just a matter of thinking outside of the, the box of what corporate structure looks like. Mm -hmm. I think too many businesses are like, okay, we can't have fun. We have to stay within this. This is what a business is. I mean, look, look, yeah. ad zombies. Look what's look what oh, I have I in my gonna, office. I was going to ask you about those things. We hadn't tilted up to see the face of the zombie. So I was going to ask you, is that some kind of like British 1900s uniform or something like that? No, it's uh, no, it's, it's, just, it's the zombie. It's and just I saw the quarantine thing there. I should have put two and two together. Now it yes. makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you if you look at what we do as a company. And, and I'm not just using this company as an example because it's my company. I watch the, and, and live through every challenge and every struggle and every pain as we go through it. And so I see the pitfalls. I can see the pain points of, of any business owner because I am one. Hmm. You know, operationally, we were a disaster when we started. We were a freaking mess because 
I'm not an operations person. That's me, the wrong person, the CEO being in the wrong seat, right? Me trying to do operations, I was color coding emails so that we can match up, you know, payments and orders and creative briefs. That's not a way to run a business. So you put the right people in the right place. And now I have an amazing operations person. Hmm. Okay. Second question that came out of the answer of do most organizations actually learn anything? No. <laughs> was uh, So we'd asked um, what, what does a person who's empowered look like and whatnot? Um, what systems and processes, what needs to be in place then? What are those organizations missing that if they had in place would help them learn something? I think the biggest thing is an open mind at the top of the company. And you know, I think you have to be able to set your ego aside and realize that there are people that are smarter than you in your organization and you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and you give them the air cover to do what they do. You know, just before we had, we sat down to do this interview, I was in a, a team meeting mm -hmm. and we were talking about with this, with, with a couple of members of the team, um, an issue with with that we're having with one team member specifically and I said look guys you have the autonomy to make the decisions and to handle this the way you see fit and I'm not gonna get in their way mm -hmm. why because I have the right people in the right place letting them do their job it's you cannot run a business if all you do is hold the keys and the control in mm -hmm. one hand you have to let people do what they do okay and you're assured that these people are not going to tar and feather that that third person there <laughs> no because here's the thing everyone wants to inherently i believe and and this may be foolish and i'm a new yorker so i'm pretty hardcore but hmm. i believe that people inherently want to do the right thing hmm. people are not looking to screw you to screw over your company to, to to drive the business into the ground that's just not how people are wired now occasionally you're going to get a bad apple right? That's going to happen. You, you know, you pull out a bag of apples. One of them is bound to be bad. Occasionally you're going to have that in business. But the reality is, is that when you have the right people and you empower them to do their jobs and you trust them to make decisions and you give them the autonomy, the air cover, most of the time they're not going to let you down. Okay. And you can always roll back something that they did, but that's a, that's a course correction. And that's what we call it here huh. is a course correction, right? I put out a piece of content and a few months later we realize, ooh, that was a mistake. I don't delete it and go, ooh, if I erase this off the internet, by the way, the internet is forever, you can't erase it. But if I erase this off the internet, no one will see that I made this mistake versus saying, hey, you know, a few months ago I said this and man, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. look, look at how that, I think a little humility doesn't hurt either. Sure, you know? here's what we've learned since then, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Okay. What about documentation? I'm going to come out with a video on this pretty soon uh, of my own presenting. Uh, when you say documentation, are you talking, yeah. Jason, about documenting the process or documentation of systems and processes? Both. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and getting data recorded of what actually happened. That is left up to the people that are smarter than me on that side of my office. Okay. And why? I, I'm, a, I'm a visual graphics, like I, I, I'm an audible and visual learner. I have an idea. I come up with an idea. I generate an idea. 
But for me to execute that idea, I would have to have a completely different brain. My wiring would be completely different. So I have other people to do those, those things, those tasks that I'm incapable of doing. Now, documenting, what does that look like? We have a couple of things. We have an entire system for, for this company built on the backbone of Podio, right? Podio is the relational database that we use to drive everything at, at Ad Zombies. And we have developed a system we call ads, the advertising delivery system. Now it does more than deliver advertising. It delivers emails and landing page copy and whatever businesses need for their written word, right? If it needs words that sell, that's what we do. But I didn't develop the system as we go, our team develops like a module mm -hmm. and it's documented and everything is recorded and, and this function does this function. And right. So we have all of the documentation of how it's built so that should Brandon be injured, mm -hmm. should Brandon, God forbid, die like last summer. And, and I shared this in my book. Um, we didn't have systems in place and Brandon was in a horrific car accident, hmm. like, like level one trauma center car accident. It was at that moment that I realized, holy crap, we don't have a backup for Brandon. Hmm. That's a problem, mm -hmm. right? So you put systems and redundancies in place to make sure that you have those backups, those safety valves, and you document everything. And by the way, documentation isn't set in stone. It's a fluid yeah. thing. So it changes and it migrates, right? If we decide to stop using Podio as the backbone of our company for all the stuff that we do, well, we're going to have documentation as we change and right. you write everything down. And if it's, and if it's wrong or if it changes, you just update it. It's really simple. Right. And if you do change that background, the fact that you've got the steps written down in English should help you with the syntax of the new system, right? I have to do this, but just over there now. Right. And, and right. To achieve this in this system, we did X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Now it may look different in this new platform, but we know what the steps are and what the end goal is of those steps or the end result of those steps is. Right. Why do you think many business owners and, and managers shy away from documenting things? I think two things. I think they're overwhelmed. They have too much on their plate. Um, and that, that let, let's start there. Let's mm -hmm. start with the overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but how many of these devices do we have in our lives constantly right. ringing and dinging and taking away little micro pieces of our time? Three of them right here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> two feet of so, me. So, yeah. so one of the things that I do and – um, you know, Sean, our head copywriter, sees me on occasion do this. I unplug from that stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to. Yep. And I go into not a sterile environment. It's really hard to do that. But oftentimes when I'm working on our own long form content or something that needs to be, I, I, I need to have no distractions. Mm -hmm. I, I can't be in my office. I cannot be in this room because the amount of distractions, the dings, I, and I distract easily, man, like mm -hmm. ADD, like shiny object, squirrel, I'm gone and you'll lose me. So I try to create the most sterile environment possible mm -hmm. because that allows me to focus on that task. And I think that's a critical component of this. If you're trying to document stuff, but you've got a thousand distractions, it's really freaking hard to document when you've got phones ringing emails dinging, 
and notifications in Facebook, right? It's just, it's impossible. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Business owners and managers who are listening or watching, do something to protect yourself from that so that you can get some work done. Um, Cal Newport, deep work author would be uh, very glad to hear that. And I use, I just posted about that yesterday. They're over there. These um, big ass earmuffs basically that Mm -hmm. stop sound from coming in and they're great. I can't stand an in-ear earplug and music sometimes is okay. Like put a, put a track on and let it loop, but sometimes no, I'll get distracted by the music. And so sometimes pure silence like that is very good. Uh, Okay. The, the name of your book is? It's Jab Till It Hurts. Okay. How, how following Gary Vaynerchuk's advice helped me build a seven-figure uh, brand. Okay. I see the tie-in. Because <laughs> yes. this is jab, 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 right hook. Correct. And I, I got Gary's permission. We, we were in okay. New York together and I said, hey, here's the title. I need your blessing before I publish this. And, um, and he knew what I was writing and, and you know, was super supportive. And, mm-hmm. and I'm incredibly grateful for that because you know, to, the guy obviously knows what he's doing as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And I have a ton of respect for Gary. Yeah, he runs a, a big media company and puts out Shoot. more content than, uh, than all of us combined, it seems, some I, days. I think if I started doing the amount of content production today that he mm-hmm. does, it would take me 30 years to catch up to where he is. Hmm. Scary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a story to share, and it could be with your own company, uh, of an organization that was trying to scale and fell flat on its face? <laughs> It we, hear, we hear success stories on this show, right? I, sure. I, I think people get the idea that it's easy. Oh, we'll just make some money and then we'll scale. Hmm. No. Probably not. <laughs> Jason, if I could tell you, if I, if I go back to the start of Ad Zombies, mm-hmm. but let's go before Brandon, right? Okay. This thing started as an accident. I talk about this often when I speak. Uh, you know, when I'm on interviews, ad zombies was an unintended business. Somebody in a Facebook group needed help with ad copy. Hmm. Um, The ad that they had written was not effective. It was not working. Uh, I said, Hey, let me help you rewrite the ad. And I did that. Well, that started the business. People were like, wow, I wish I could write like that. Next thing you know, I'm helping people write ad copy and there's hundreds of people who need help. Mm -hmm. What I thought scaling was Hmm. and what scaling is are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So like my version, and I think I I shared this with you a few moments ago, my version of scaling is, uh, okay, I color code the emails and anything that's a transaction gets a green, right? That's That's a dollar sign. So it gets a green. Anything that's an order gets a yellow. And then anything that's a creative brief gets a red. So we need to see um, a color for each of those, right? If we don't see a green, a yellow, and a red, we've got a problem. Once we see that, we now move this into the writing space. space. Mm. And so, so that's my version, and it was miserable because it works when you, it works when you have one or two things coming in a day. Mm-hmm. It works when you have 10 orders a day. But you think about this from a, from a non-scalable standpoint, when you have one order a day, it's three emails. When you have 10 orders a day, it's 30. When you have 100 orders a day, 
holy crap, it's unmanageable. Because now you're juggling 300 emails mm -hmm. for 100 orders, right? So that, that imploded and we were buried. And Sean and I were working around the clock just trying to keep up with crap because back then it was, it was just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And we thought, okay, we got this, right? And, and then I had dinner in New York on, in October, I think it was, with Gary. And I'm at dinner, we're having wine, because anytime you sit down with dinner with Gary Vaynerchuk, you're gonna have wine. And he said to me, bro, you need an operations guy. Mm -hmm. You are not an operations guy, you are a creative. And this is, you're, you've built this thing to where, where it is now, a smart operations person is going to see the opportunity, what you've built, and see the opportunity to help you scale this the right way. Find that opportunity, find that person, give them the opportunity, and you'll scale. We were drowning. Jason, oh my God, I can tell you that one day my wife walks into the office at the house. Back then we didn't have an office. We were still operating it out of my home. And Sean would be sitting at the desk next to me in my home. And one night she walked into the office. It was 1130 at night and I was writing ad copy, which I don't do anymore. I don't have the time and that's okay. It's not the greatest use of my time. And we both started crying. The two oh. of us just sat there. I mean, 20, 24 years of marriage and we're both sobbing hmm. because it was so overwhelming. It was so difficult. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? This sucks. Because building a business and running a business and running a successful business isn't easy. It's not. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of moving parts and it takes the right people and the right seats, right? And back then we just didn't have that. And so it was a painful time. And I, even though I saw the potential at that point, I really thought about putting a bullet in it at some point and just going, you know what, I'm going to shoot this thing while it's early and just give it, just give it up because I didn't see how we could create something that would scale. Right. And um, so it was, it was, we had some, we had some definitely painful rough times as we would implode on ourselves just mm -hmm. from my lack of knowledge, my lack of understanding. Okay. So, pulling two things out of that one is anybody who's listened to this show for a few episodes will have heard me say what you do to get to where you are now is not what you need to be doing to go forward and there is an example of that very thing you you had built a business where you have to pedal <laughs> to keep right. going and keep pedaling pedal faster pedal there's only two of you keep pedaling right and, and then 11 30 at night there you are pedaled out I don't right. want to do this anymore, right? And yet you have this idea in your head of this is how we have to do the thing, is right. by peddling. <laughs> and, and, and the insanity of it is, yeah. and, and to, to any other business owner that's watching this, mm -hmm. I, I know that there are enough of you out there that have gone through this or are going through this. I was in what I call the accordion. Mm. And so here's what the accordion looks like. I need to grow. So I'm really working on growing the business, right? So we're growing, 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 growing. And then all of a sudden we hit this limit of growth and I'm like, oh crap, we have to fulfill. Now I'm working in the business, working in the business, which is linear, right? 
Yeah. And then as you do that, you start to scale. So it looks like this. It's, it's work on the business and, and grow, work in the business, contract. And it's the accordion effect. You're constantly growing and shrinking and growing and shrinking, but never getting anywhere. Yeah. Because if you look at it a year from now, your financials are going to look pretty much the same way they did a year ago because you can't grow when you're in an accordion cycle. Right. Yep. And I hope, again, that makes an impression on people because that's a position I see many, many businesses in. And the frustrating thing is they think they're doing something. They can see cash flow going, orders are going through. They feel like they're working on projects and accomplishing something, but they hit this plateau and they never seem to get over it. And right. the belief seems to be from me talking to them, oh, if only I could just pedal a little faster. Yeah. And it's if, crazy. If, if it's only. Yeah. Right. If Stop only paddling. I could do this. Right. <laughs> One of the things yeah. I learned from Tony Robbins, and this was also, by the way, um, I, you know, this is not me name dropping, Jason. Mm -hmm. I want to make this clear. I spend time around people that know a lot more than I do mm -hmm. and that are way smarter than I do. There's a reason I do that. Yeah. It's, it's strategic. By the way, for those of you who don't know this, spend time around people that are smarter than you and have done things at scale greater than you have and watch and learn and absorb because they will leave clues behind and those clues are so valuable. One of the things that I, that I learned from Tony Robbins, and this is something that every small business owner needs to think about. What business are you in? Mm -hmm. What business are you really in? And what business should you be in to future-proof your business? And, and let, let, me, let me give you some breakdown of what those questions, how those questions might pertain to my business, right? So that way, if, if I give them some relatable content, maybe they'll sure. go, oh, okay, I can see how this relates to my company. What business am I in? I own a copywriting service. What business am I really in? We write words that sell anything. What business should I be in? Ah, that's the question. Mm -hmm. What business future-proofs my business? See, we're not just writing copy. We provide a service to businesses all over the world. Mm -hmm. So how do we future-proof that? What are the things that we can add to our model? What are the things that we can do to help our retention? Right? What do we need to do as a business looking forward, not to where we are today, but looking ahead to make decisions that secure the company's future? And I think a lot of business owners aren't thinking down the road they're thinking about surviving because they're in that here and now, that hamster wheel of if I sell more and do more, I can have more, but then they need to execute on it and they become right. the accordion. I talk with my hands. Can you tell I'm such a New Good. Yorker? We all, we all do that. <laughs> I think you and I think a lot of the same way based on what we've talked about over the last, I don't know, hour, I guess, a bit before and, and through now. Sure. Another thing which you brought up, which you've, which you've touched on a couple of times. Um, and I've got a, a, an episode about this in this podcast uh, from pretty early on. Highest, best use of your time. And I mm. don't think that's a concept that's well understood by business owners, especially those who believe that the technician aspect of, uh, of what they do and how they do it is what makes them the money. So what, what advice can you give them or what perspective can you give them to help them break out of that? Jason, this is right now, for anyone watching this, this is one of the highest, best uses of my time. 
what am I doing? I'm sitting here talking to you about business. I engage in conversations online with business owners. I engage with conversations on the phone. I am speaking at conferences. I take the stage and talk about mindset and business. I don't talk about copywriting. Mm-hmm. I am not the greatest copywriter in the world. I'm a great storyteller. I'm not the greatest copywriter. I have great copywriters in my team. I'm a great storyteller. But I, the greatest use of your time isn't doing the business of running the hamster wheel of your company. It's taking that 50,000 foot view and seeing where the opportunities are and making sure that you have the right people in the right place, right? What I said in that meeting today was, hey, you guys have the autonomy, make the decision, do what you have to do. Why? Because I'm over here doing this. Hmm. Why am I over here doing this? Because I focus on the growth of the company. Now, does sitting and doing a podcast interview affect the bottom line revenue of a company? Now, most business owners are gonna say no, but they'd be wrong. They'd be wrong because if the one business that one business owner that watches this podcast goes, Oh, that guy made sense and puts it to use and it changes the course of his business. And then that business contracts my company to do business with them. And we do business with them for 10 years. um, That does affect it. Hmm. Every touch point I make as a brand, this is everywhere. That zombie is everywhere. He eats, breathes, and sleeps every piece of content I put out. Not because I want the world to know about ad zombies, but because I want the world to know about ad zombies. See, what a lot of business owners don't realize is that today, brand is more important than their marketing efforts. Hmm. Having your brand become so recognizable, so indelible, so top of mind that you are the go-to for whatever your industry is, is critical because as the markets get muddier and muddier and as more businesses are competing for the same eyeballs, you've got to stand out. Mm -hmm. And that's how you win. Brands stand out. It's the reason why, Jason, how old are you? May I ask? 44. Okay, 44. I'm going to, I'm going to do this three question test. We're going to, I let's try it. I've done this multiple times. It's only bitten, in, bitten me in the butt once, and that was with Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner. And so hopefully it won't bite me in the butt today, but we're going to try it. And I'm not saying you have this problem. If, if you I had, am bald underneath this hat. <laughs> oh, dude, come on. So am I. If you had hemorrhoids and needed to go to the pharmacy to buy a product for those hemorrhoids, what product would you buy? Preparation H is the one that comes to mind. When was the last time you saw an ad for Preparation H? I have no idea. It was probably two years ago or more. Right. Brand. The brand is so indelibly marked in your head. That is the only thing you think of and it's immediate. Okay, let's do one more. Uh, So so I'm one for three right now. Um, If you had a cut on your finger and had to wrap something around it to protect it, what would you put on your finger? Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. A Band-Aid. That that is like Xerox or Kleenex. It has become the the overall market uh, name for all those products. But it is actually one one company's brand. Right. It is a brand. It's actually a bandage, but it's a brand. Right. And then then you mentioned the other one that I was going to ask in your your list. 
And that is if you had a cold and needed to blow your nose, what would you use? No, Kleenex, yeah. Right, which is a right. tissue. Right. And so, so that's how valuable brand is. So what is the best use of your time as the CEO, as mm. the owner of the business? It's growing the brand awareness. It's working on connecting with others. It's helping, giving your time. Mm. By the way, I, that's all I do. I give away my time to businesses all over the world and I do it freely and willingly. Why? Because it's the best use of my time. As long as you've got that engine working behind you or with you, right? To right. produce results. Yeah. If you're, if you're the hamster yeah. in the wheel, you can't do it. Right. You have to be able to get out of the hamster wheel in order to do the other things. I think I might know of a company that can help businesses do that. <laughs> what is the strangest problem you've encountered, Ken? Something weird out there. Oh, the strangest problem. I, I, I can tell you that I, what one of the things that I see in Facebook, and this happens on a daily basis, and I see it happen less on LinkedIn, but on Facebook. There are a lot of, and I'm using the quotes, the air quotes, expert marketers out there mm. who tend to like to give a lot of advice freely yet have zero experience in what they're talking about. Like when people ask me a question about something that we've done or how we run something on Facebook, I can show them how many dollars we spend on Facebook marketing my company. Like I can say, look, here's what, how much we spend and here's the result. And I share that stuff openly because oftentimes there are a lot of experts out there who will tell you, do this, do that, I'm crushing this, Here's my ROAS. Here's my ROI. And they're full of crap. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, just, they're just giving you the, I want you to think that I know what I'm doing. When the reality is, is they have no idea what they're doing. And there's a lot of that going around right now. And it's, it's rampant. Um, that's one of the strangest things is that when I say strange, it seems to be like an epidemic right now mm -hmm. where people are just trying to I don't know if they're in this customer acquisition mode by doing that or the reason behind it. I don't get it, but I see a lot of it because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and I see it everywhere. And I just don't understand why don't, why don't you just be real and say, well, here's what I did. Like when I, when I had a problem, when I had a problem um, with, with a campaign, I went into a Facebook group that I thought I was going to get help from. And all I got were people who were posers mm -hmm telling me what I was doing wrong, which they, they had no idea. Um, there, I, I think there, there's this, I, I don't know where it's coming from, but there's a lot of people right now. And it's a really strange thing to me to see all these people who are trying to claim, they're claiming that they are experts and they have no clue. And when you ask them how much money they spent on Facebook, mm -hmm. no, no, send me a screenshot. I want to see right. it. Right. They just retreat. If you're, Right. If like, you're an what expert are you supposed to do like, cause you know that they're posers, but what are you supposed to do? Take out a lightsaber and cut them in half. I mean, just, and then it's frustrating. Cause you're like, why, why am I even trying to communicate with this group? Just move on. Yeah. I, you know, w one of the things that Gary said to me, I, mm -hmm. we had, we had an attack once by a group of people who were not happy with an ad we produced mm -hmm. and I reacted to their dissatisfaction with the ad. And, and in hindsight, looking back at it, mm -hmm. I, wish, I wish Gary had said this to me prior to that. Um, I said, how do, how, do you, how do you ignore or how do you deal with 
mm-hmm. hate, negative stuff when you when you comment or when you share a post or you know you put something out there. And and this is what he did. And I, I I'm gonna do it now. Are you watching? La 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 like a three year old. Why? Ignore it. If you ignore the highest it, best use of your time is not to engage. That's right. It's, <laughs> that's a fact. You, do you do you know how much power you take away from someone when you don't engage with their stupidity? Hmm. Wow, that's really powerful for you, right? And it totally neuters them. Hmm. So they can they can go on saying stuff, but you don't need to respond. No. Okay. What is, let's, let's kind of begin to wrap up here. What is something that you could, if, if you could wave a magic wand and have business owners realize or start to work on something right now to improve their situation, what would it be? I would find your replacement uh-huh. for whatever it is you're doing in your company so that you could start working on your company. Hmm. And get because, this branding. Yeah, the, the more you're focused on making widgets versus focusing on how to grow the company mm-hmm. and you're way, you're really less effective when you're in the trenches right you're very it looks like you're effective because it's the appearance of work hmm. right it's you well i'm making money and the company's right. growing and i'm no yeah but you're living and eating and breathing and sleeping the the job, right? You don't have a, you don't have run a company. You have a job and you have a crappy boss and it's you. And so the first thing I would do is find that person to replace you doing the things inside your company that you shouldn't be doing Hmm. so that you could focus on the bigger picture items. Okay. What about people who will say, well, that's great, but what if you can't afford that person? then you need to go get a job somewhere else. Okay. Then something needs to happen to raise that revenue level to be able to afford them. Yeah. Because if you're not doing that, then you're not running a company that's healthy, sustainable and, or, or you have self-limiting beliefs, Hmm. which I, you know, I I know a lot of people are afraid to make financial commitments Mm -hmm. to like bring on talent in your company now, when you look at your bank account, you may go, hey, there's money in the bank. I don't want to take a, a chance and risk bringing on this, you know, this employee because that's money that's going to come out of the bank. But if that person increases your efficiency 30% and then allows you to focus 100% of your energy on growing the business, what is the net positive effect of that? Right? right. I think a lot of times people people are are hesitant to pull the trigger because they're afraid yeah. versus going, wait a second. I can always course correct. If I make the mistake, if, if I do this and it's a, a, a train wreck, I can always unwind it. Right. Makes sense. And that freeing up, I think if your perspective is not on, oh my gosh, I need to maintain what I've got, or I don't want to give up what I've got, but instead have your focus on and you may not be able to see the whole picture of how it's going to turn out and what the big benefits are, right? But being open to, okay, I, I want to get to that 130% or whatever, where I'm freed up and, and we're doing stuff. Because you don't know yet. <laughs> if you're right. on the hamster wheel, if you're on the hamster wheel, you do not have the vision yet of what it's like to be freed up and go, ah. 
Nobody's pulling me down today. <laughs> and Jason, let, yeah. let, me, let me paint a picture with easy numbers for any business owner, mm. okay? Let's say today, and I'm going to just use really, I, I use simple numbers because I'm, a, I'm so shitty with numbers. Like, but I know that about myself, so I just use mm -hmm. simple numbers. Right. So let's say you have a business that generates a million dollars a year, yeah. okay? And you're on the fence about hiring a $50,000 a year employee. You go, oh, $50,000 a year, but you know, we're generating a million, but that $50,000 a year employees, that's $50,000. Well, it's really 18% above that because you've got taxes and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and so now you're looking at, let's say a $68,000 employee, okay? Mm -hmm. so, so we'll up it a little bit. And you say, is it worth having that person in the company? Well, if right now you're, you've built a million dollar business and it's you and your spouse, yet bringing in this 50,000, let's call it $68,000 employee, will grow you to 1.25 and you're only paying $50,000 or $68,000. And they're also freeing up your ability to grow the business, to work on the business, not in the business. Mm -hmm. And that grows you to 1.5. Is it worth hiring that $50,000 a year employee to take you from a million to 1.5 million? I'd say the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. But Even a lot though of we are talking about margins at the end of the day and not gross revenue, but it's correct. still gonna be, it's gonna be better than that. <laughs> it's a net positive effect, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I think a, a lot of times, people don't see that. They don't see the investment in their business as being an investment in the growth. And sure, we've hired people and, and we've brought more people onto our team and that actually brings the, the, the bottom line revenue down for a while. Hmm. But ultimately, it's gonna impact us positively long-term. So you make investments. It's, it's just like investing in, in you know, the market. You make investments for long-term success, not short-term growth, right? You, you don't take a, a long-term investment and hope that in six months you're going to see your full return. No, you've planned that investment out knowing that by the time you're ready to retire in 15 years, that that money is going to have worked hard for you. It's the hmm. same thing with onboarding and hiring and bringing on people to grow your business. Same thing. Okay. One more businessy question and then I want to talk about ad zombies for a minute. Uh, sure. Finish up. Do you think that most business owners understand their business? And I mean, like, do they understand their, their, the steps their people are doing or the processes or is it all very muddy slushy? That's a great question. Um, I know in my company, the answer mm -hmm. is yes. Mm -hmm. There isn't anything that I will ask anyone on the team to do that I can't do myself and do it well. Mm. Now, can I say the same holds true for every business? I can't. I don't know that that's, and it, it's not an easy question for me to answer because I am not that other CEO. Mm -hmm. I'm not the guy that's running the manufacturing plant that maybe I don't know the whole process. Maybe I inherited the business from my dad and I hate the business and I'm you know working in an industry that I absolutely hate, but it's generating lots of money, so I continue right. to do it, right? <laughs> and so the answer is I don't know. Um, in my company, I absolutely do. Okay, great. So tell us about Ad Zombies. Who's the right kind of person to be talking to you and how can they get a hold of you? So as a, as a company, Ad Zombies, we write words that sell anything. 
we work with businesses all over the world. And when I say businesses, I'll kind of paint a very broad brushstroke picture. Mm -hmm. We work with a couple of hundred e-commerce companies around the world. We work with and support 300 plus ad agencies globally. And the biggest sector are the SMBs, 5,000 plus or minus SMBs. And, and they are everything from mom and pop pizza shops to insurance agents to multi-location businesses. I mean, it's really pretty far and wide, the businesses that we serve. And, and so what companies use us for primarily are writing their ad copy, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, pick the platform, LinkedIn, um, and writing their email sequences or their landing pages or sales pages for their website or web copy. So if, if your business has words on anything that you use digitally, right, collateral-wise, we can write the words that help more effectively communicate what it is your business does or sells. All right. And how can people get a hold of you or learn more about you? They can go get your book. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So books on Amazon, just look for Jab Till It Hurts. And if you read the book, you have to make me a promise, even though I can't track you here. Yeah. You have to make me a promise. If you read the book and you like the book, you've got to leave a review. because mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm really upset. My book has been read thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I can see the data. I know <laughs> how many books have been sold. I know how many times my Audible version has been listened to. I have all of the data. And I haven't gotten the same number of reviews. And I'm right. really hurt by that. Okay, I just I'm hamming it up, but the reality is, is that if you leave the if you write read the book or listen to the book and you like the book, drop a review, a thoughtful review. That would mean the world to me. So you can get that on Amazon. If you want to uh, check out what we do, it's really simple. It's adzombies.com. A d z o m b i e s dot com. Fantastic. Well, my guest today has been Ken Muskowitz of Ad Zombies. I hope you'll come back, and maybe we can dig into mindset issues, limiting beliefs a little bit more. I'd love uh, that. Maybe in a month or two, I think that would be great. And uh, let's do it then. Thanks for being here, Ken. Thank you. You bet. <laughs>